It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs! Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it, wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run! Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome, good evening. On this first order stream for you. And uh, under the touchline, Fracker Ben, I'll be a host tonight, expat. Come joined today by two lovely co hosts. Yo, yo, yo. yo, yo. The first thing they're all chiming at the same time now. Yeah, uh, Toby, what's good, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been a long time since I've, well, I say it's been a long time. It's been like three weeks since I've been on the pod. That feels like a long time to me. So long overdue. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, grand. Thank you for asking. Bit of work, bit of football straight on here. Bit of 5K runs as well. Obviously, light work for light work for A star. So consistently. So consistently. <laughs> Not as consistent as Acer though. Uh, which leads me on to asking how you're doing. I'm good. Uh, as as referenced, uh, just got back from the gym, had a a coaching meeting this morning. Uh, I, I was recently uh, named head coach of a of a basketball team at the local high school. Uh, we got some. We got some work to do. Uh, we don't have anybody taller than five eleven, so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an adventure. But I feel good about it. Like Spurs, you know, we're gonna, mm. we're gonna attack and, and we're gonna we're gonna be. You'd be uh, the perfect coach for me and Tobes to play basketball. <laughs> I mean, I'm perfect. I'm, I'm average height, and then uh, I think Tobes is a little bit taller than me. Yeah, um, it's a small religious school. We're we're a development program at this point. This the the, the varsity team uh, is pretty good. Uh, we're the freshman team. We're going to have some trouble. <laughs> there we go. But that's why they got you as coach, right? That's what I'm here for. But yeah, um, just for full context, and that's why we were kind of debating whose body could retain the most oxygen, who could run the best before the pod. But now we're kind of seeing how uh, well Spurs can retain their form. Um, going that's into it. the Leicester game, we're um, <laughs> going to one of the best starts of the season we've ever had despite not playing particularly well coming into a Leicester game. Um, I'll go with you first, though. So, like, did you expect the lineup he went with initially? Because, obviously, he started Perisic right wing back. He dropped Sun and dropped Romero. Uh, what were your thoughts coming into it? Uh, so, when I saw the lineup, um, 
I was okay. I mean, I I figured I'll, I'll I'll be honest. When I saw Romero was dropped, I was like, oh, he's hurt. Like I was like, oh, I missed the news that he's hurt. There is no possible way that he's not starting um, for for tactical reasons or for performance reasons. Um, so I'll admit, like when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, Romero's hurt still or again, whatever. Perisic on the right, I I like um, because I think. Emerson, um, despite the fact that I think he's been playing well this year so far, um, he needs to be pushed, and Matt Doherty is not apparently doing that. Um, and I've I've been a vocal uh, Ryan Sess um, defender on this pod and elsewhere. Uh, as for dropping Sonny, it was time, and um, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody as we go through the game, but seems to have worked. <laughs> so exactly that. And uh, obviously, Tobes, you were at the game. Um, obviously, how did you um, take the changes to the team for the lineup in the first? Um, I think the first twenty minutes went. Obviously, it was quite uh, event packed. Um, I felt a bit mixed with the lineup. I sort of expected some. I'm glad that he made some of those changes. Like Longley coming back into the team, even though I think he had an average game. Um, like Sun dropping to the bench because it was it was necessary. Kulisevsky has to be a regular starter um, until he actually needs rotating up because he's tired or needs a break because he's been our best attacker this season. So it didn't really make sense for him to to no longer be starting games. Um, uh, and then the wing backs needed a reshuffle as well. But I, yeah, I still wasn't overly impressed with some of the players that he failed to rotate into the side. Like, I was fully expecting Basuma to start this game. Um, I know we'll talk on the Leicester performance and they played really well in the first half. Probably the best I've seen Leicester all season in the first half, in my opinion. Um, we were bad, but they were really good. Um, but I would have thought bottom of the league Leicester, can't buy a win, can't really defend. It's the perfect game to sort of throw some of these new faces into the team. And it's not like he's throwing in new faces that haven't like tasted Premier League football before outside of Jed Spence. You're throwing in guys like Basuma who've played what? Like I'm sure he's played what? Like close to or over a hundred Premier League games now, surely. So like, yeah, just throw him into the team. Jed Spence, I know he's not played Premier League football, but throw him into the team. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if there's a game, you there's no easy game in the Prem, but there are certain games that you can sort of cater to. And I think this game, if you're telling me that you can rotate Sanchez into this team, yeah, why can't you rotate Jed Spence into this team? And that was my grievance with the lineup. Like, why didn't I see Basuma and Jed Spence starting? But everything else, I I wasn't too mad at. Even Sanchez, I was a bit concerned, um, which is normal because I think we're always concerned when Sanchez comes into the team and Romero is out of the team. Sorry, my print is printed time. But um, I think fundamentally, again, because of the nature of the opposition, as poor as Sanchez can be, I know that no matter what, we have enough firepower to win this game. So even him playing poorly will, won't really like significantly impact the, the score. Yeah, fair enough. I think the idea to play Sanchez um, and Perisic together on that right, or Perisic initially out on the right-hand side was one, obviously, just to give us that that little bit uh, better quality in the final third on that right-hand side, which we've been lacking, and someone who can retain the ball deep and hold Sanchez's hand, so to speak. Um, Sanchez didn't obviously take the help and yeah. kind of threw himself under the bus. Fair enough. We conceded. Had a very good reaction, to be fair. Went 2-1 up, and then we'll see for the rest of the first half, mostly by design, um, we invited pressure on because we, we're very good at springing on teams, especially when it comes to protecting leads. And um, for one reason or another, we couldn't play out. Like Normally, we're actually very good under pressure, but a lot of loose balls, when the balls actually reach the forwards, they couldn't hold it. And then um, we managed to see out the first half, thanks to mostly thanks to Lorries. Um, but yeah, Madison... Juicy Hall, T. Elements were running the show. Um, indeed, he was doing a decent job marshalling Kane as well. There were a few balls we tried to directly hit to him out of defence, and indeed, he was just there. Um, he played really well, man. Uh, for the first half, he did, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, up until, up until he, um, yeah, 
up until he had that mishap in the second half, he was playing well. And even after that, I felt like he had. Sorry, <laughs> it's still going. Even after the mishap, I felt like he still had some good moments, but just too sloppy on the ball. And what I know he's been playing poorly, but even when he was playing well, indeed he's had that susceptibility. Is that a word? Susceptibility. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. I think it's really susceptible to. Yeah, yeah, he 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 has been he has been susceptible to like that that high press. Where the midfielder nicks the ball off him. I remember a game against Chelsea that Leicester had that they drew one-one. James Madison actually equalised for them that game, like three, four years ago, where Mount did the exact same thing. Basuma, uh, Basuma, and Diddy got caught on the ball, and Mount took the ball off him, ran through on goal, and and slotted it. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit. It's something that we definitely. I'm glad that we definitely exploited. Um, but yeah, the first half performance was way too chaotic, so, way too open. So, and, I, I, go, go ahead, No, I, I just was gonna say, just on Indeedy and, and the rest of this team, Leicester are the weirdest side in in the Premier League to me because you look at their guys one by one and you're like, this is a a, a good ish player or has been a good player in the last two years, and outside of Danny Ward. Um, you know, all of them were were either were either right, you know, part of the team or part of a coherent team. Um, you know, in 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 the recent past, where Leicester were a coherent, competent top of the top half of the Premier League side, and I don't know what the hell Brendan Rodgers is doing. Um, if he if he is is spending his time going over taxes with Tobes, if he is going on vacation, uh, <laughs> I'm not an accountant. <laughs> um, but, my <laughs> but I mean, I'll tell you this: Brendan Rodgers is accounting his money and not accounting for players playing forward. You like that? Does everybody like that? Um, it's a weird thing to watch this team because you look at them and you're like, "Why aren't you good?" You know, Tielemans, Madison, Barnes, Indidi, um, uh, Justin. Like, like these are all good-ish players. And they play horrendously. Um, and also, in, in terms of the first half, like not being able to get the ball into the attack coherently, I know that the second half happened, and, and we'll speak on that. I thought that this was the worst game that Benton Kerr has played for us. Um, the, Bro, awful. In the first it, was, it was every time the ball touched his, his feet, it went five yards. Bro. It was, it was ridiculous. Like, I thought he was coming off at half. I was like, you need to get him out of this game. And then, of yeah. course, he scores two minutes or a minute into the – the second, but I it was bad. You can no, segue into the second half if you want, because uh, yeah, I think um, we're pretty much all um, synced up with what we're about to say about Benton Co. It, I yeah. mean, and second half, he was a completely different player. Like, do we think Conte like just like screamed at him for fifteen must minutes have. straight? He must have, because some of the stuff he was doing in the first half, he was taking the piss. Yeah, he was losing the ball for fun. He was. Playing his passes were so sloppy. There was one, and for someone who's quite like secure technically, like he can play one touch, two touch. The ball gets played into his feet. He can play it first time. All of these passes were just wayward, so wayward, so so wayward. Just constantly giving the ball away to less, giving the ball away to Leicester. Like my example when I did my post match was like the first half. I know we, we 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 show good fight to go from a goal down to turn to turn around and score to two one. Um, but you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been mad if Leicester went into that gate went, went into that half three two up like it, you wouldn't have been mad because they were the better side in the first half. Absolutely, and it almost felt as if like we were giving Leicester all the ammunition they needed to shoot us down. Like yes, they're playing well, but why do you have to play so bad? Why do you have to constantly give away the ball? Why do you have to miss your press? Why do you have to not be able to retain the ball? Like, it was so bad. It was so bad um, uh, from from different parts of our team. Even Perisic, he lost the ball like two, three times on that right-hand side. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't just him as well. Like, Davison Sanchez made that horrendous mistake and exemplifies why he needs to be sold, in my opinion. But when you look at his actual performance, he was probably one of the few that didn't really give away the ball, apart from his well. mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually had, if you watch this performance in the first half, he actually used the ball relatively well. Mm-hmm. And he defended well. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it was just so chaotic. Kane as well, giving away the ball. Richie couldn't get the ball to stick. Kuliseski was the one that looked the brightest of the attack. And even he, I think, I think James Justin and that David Faze or whatever their, whatever their name is, I think they did pretty, pretty decent to try, and, to try and, like, contain his threat. Because Kulu started off bright and 1v1 situations, he had Justin. But when it was 2v1, I think they did they did an okay job. So, yeah, it was just bad in the first half, man. Really bad. Mm, just a I quick think- nod to uh, Gianni Vio as well. But um, do you know what Benton Kuru reminds me of? Like, he's one of those players for me who is just, he's that casual and he sometimes needs like a little thing to like light a fire in him sometimes. Yeah, he reminds me of a stoner. And when he plays like a stoner, the rest of the team play like stoners. He's just so laid back, so casual, so composed. It's almost a bit too much. And sometimes he's just left like kind of chasing the game and watching it go by. But then once he once he gets into it, obviously aided by us being a little bit more on the front foot, um, he he just gets that team ticking. Um, so he's up as well, so to speak. Uh, sorry, Asa, you were about to I- go in there. Probably, but um, I think the thing with Benson Curran, I think the thing that this team lacks um, and has lacked since, I mean, Debele maybe, is someone in, in the midfield who can just like calm everything down, who can just like take a breath, take a second, organize your team. And I think that that's supposed to be in this setup because it's not going to be Hoybier. Um, Like I think it's supposed to be Benson Curran. Um, and when he plays like this unbothered, Right. Like when it works, it's like, oh, he's so free flowing. He's so, you know, useful in that scenario when it's not when it's not working. Like you use the, the stoner analogy. Um, but to me, it's like it's unbothered. Like he's, he's just like, oh, well, no need to take the game by the reins. It'll happen. It's fine. And when things are going well, that's a super useful thing to have. But when things are when you need someone to grab the game by the shirt, calm it down, relax, recycle backwards, build up, do what you're supposed to do. He's not really great at that. And there's nobody else in this team um, when Romero's out because Romero does a really good job of it, despite his like his aggression on defense. He does a really good job of getting the ball where it's supposed to be in the buildup. Um, and Bentiker needs to play with someone who can, if, if he's not going to do it, somebody needs to. And I don't know if that's Basuma, Skippy, I don't know who that is, but somebody needs to be able to calm this team down um, I think, when, I think, when pressure's coming. I think Bentiker can do it. And I think he, I think he, in, in, in our, in our, in our run last season, towards the back the back end of the season, him and Hoybier developed a really good understanding. And I think, for all intents and purposes, okay, he's not as good as Dembele at it, but that is he is the he's the best one in our midfield that can do that. I don't think he's a. I think Basu, for me, Basuma is our best midfielder all round. But I think in terms of slowing down the game, like taking the game at his tempo, dictating how quick we move the ball. I think that's his MO to a T. I just think that he's, this season, that game literally embodies Benton Cole's season so far. Like, he's had games where he's been really good, like Fulham, like Southampton. But then he's had games where he's been really poor. Like Marseille, he was terrible. Sporting, he was terrible. Um... I'm thinking of I'm thinking of other games. Leicester in the first half, for instance, he was he was bad. Um Nottingham Forest, he wasn't good. Um I'm trying to think of other didn't he have a, a, a tough game, game against Chelsea? Chelsea, Chelsea, he had a tough game, but I don't really like I, I'm giving Hoybieb and Benton Cole like leeway in that game because I think tactically Conte just didn't allow for them to have the, the games they wanted because Fair it was enough. literally two v four. Do you get what yeah. I'm saying? But I'm talking about what Benton Core has done on the board this season. And in some of these games, he's just not been good enough. And off the ball as well, he his press is like one second too late, et cetera, et cetera, when he's playing poorly. So I do think that he can be that player because we've seen him do it for Spurs already this season as well as last season. We just need to now get him. He needs to get himself back to his consistent level. Last season, he was playing out for me for the most part, he played at like a consistent 7.5 or 8 out of 10, with exception of like a, one or two matches where he was poor. Liverpool, the way he was poor. Man United, he was poor. Yeah. But for the most part, the guy was really consistent. And I think now when he's not consistent, 
this team feels it. This team I, feels it. And sure. the thing is, he's he's played like 800 minutes or something, or 700 minutes already this year. Um, and I, this is where I think Skippy's injury really hurts. In answering your question beforehand, this was uh, Basuma's 118th Premier League appearance. Um, you can play him. It's fine. Yeah. And I know Conte has said like, oh, it's taken him a little bit more time to to adopt the system, to understand what we're trying to do here. Look, you need you need three midfielders, and right now we have two because he doesn't trust Basuma and Skippy's hurt. So um, I, I just I think that this is going to rear its head between August, you know, October first and November. What is it? Thirteenth is is the is the last part of that run where it's two games a week every week. Yeah. Um, there needs to be some rotation in the midfield, and and maybe this this break is good for Basuma because it gives him an opportunity to really get some tactical understanding. Um, yeah. But if he's not ready to go, we've got a big problem. It's a lot of games and not a lot of time. Hundreds. And I, I, and I do think, sorry, Owen, just to c- come in on that as well. I think beyond Bissouma, I think it's down to Conte. Like, and that's why my, I was so heavily, I was on Conte's, <clears throat> I was criticising Conte after that sporting game. I'm not going to lie because he is the one that decides who comes in, who comes out. You can see when players aren't playing poorly and you have options different options on the bench, use them. I couldn't believe that Benton Coy and Hobie started that game against Esther. I could not believe it because the two previous games before that against Sporting and Marseille, they were categorically bad. And not just Benton Coy, Hoybier as well. And Hoybier has probably, in my opinion, he's been our best midfielder this season, but they were bad. So that should give you a sign to freshen things up. Switch, take out one of the two, bring in Basuma. Switch to a free midfield if you want to switch to a free midfield. Just don't leave it the same. This is what I was actually going to say, because all the criticisms that were levelled at Conte and deservedly so after Sporting were that he can't rotate here. He's not managing the game well. He's not making the changes quick enough. Like when he does make changes, they're far too late. Like even when we went and one nil down against Sporting, he told the subs to sit back down. It was like, okay, Ridiculous. it doesn't make any sense. But okay, we move. Had all this criticism thrown at him. When it comes to the Leicester game, it's like 60 minutes then. And we're still winning 3-2, but he still actually thinks, you know, we still look really flat. And we, we kind of did, like, Leicester was still bopping it in midfield, uh-huh. like, sustaining pressure on us. And then, um, what was it? The first sub was Emerson Royale for Perisic on 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the hour, he brought on Romero and Son. And son. Yeah. Um. And then ten minutes later, he eventually bring on uh, the guy he threw under the bus, um, Basuma. So, how do, I mean, almost a rhetorical question, but how do you feel like he managed that game in the second half in the end? Excellent. I think he managed the game excellently well in the second half because he did the one thing that a lot of fans give him stick for, and even at times I give him stick for. He changed, even when he had no prerogative to change. Spurs were still winning. Yeah. Right. Spurs were still winning. Um, the game was open. So whilst it looked like Leicester could score one, um, it looked like we could score another. But I like the fact that he saw that there were still gaps in our performance, despite the fact that we were winning. And he not only did he make changes, he made brave changes. I mentioned how Kulisewski's been our best attacker this season. I stand by it. And he took off Kulisewski. And mm. at the time, at the time, I'm thinking, why are you taking off Kulisewski? Um, and then he switched to a free midfield. I said, okay, this is new. You've not done this. You've not done this since Liverpool, Leicester away. Right? Since Leicester away or Liverpool. Yeah, Le- Leicester away early on this year, sorry. Liverpool at home was last okay. year. Yeah. Um, this is, or Wolves even, when we were down 2-0. So I said, this is interesting. Fair enough. I, I can respect that. Because you are telling me that you still want to go for this game but you just want to make sure that whilst we're going for this game, we don't leave ourselves susceptible at the back. And lo and behold, that's what happened. That I mean, lo and behold, that's what we were able to prevent. We That Basuma change completely changed the game in our favour. Basuma came on and now it's more men in the middle to deal with Madison, Dewsbury Hall and Tielemans. It now means that the likes of Hoybier and Bentacore can push higher compress higher mm. and it's no coincidence that Benton Core, who was fantastic in the second half his high, his 
mid-press, his mid-level press, his second phase press, wins us the ball back off James Justin and it leads to Sun's first goal. Do you get what I'm saying? And then even a couple minutes after that, Sun has a chance that he skews, takes first time. Who's on the assist? Benton Core again. And he has more license to go up and, and press higher and try and chase the chase the game further up the pitch because Basuma's there now. Basuma can shuttle left, can shuttle right, and he can win the ball back and he can drive with the ball. So for me, the changes, all oh, kudos to him. Kudos to him. I respect it. UEFA Champions League football is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration is underway with the biggest stars, top teams and craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every game from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more in football's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time and extra time and stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Exactly, and um, obviously we saw the game out. Sonny got a hat-trick. And um, it was a little bit harsh on Leicester in the end, but again, we, we won the game 6-2. Yeah without necessarily playing that well. Um, it led to fans after the game, obviously calling for, obviously for us to play three in midfield, obviously start for, with a three in midfield. Um, so with these new football metrics flying around now, I would only ask, would a three in midfield at the start improve our field tilt? <laughs> Motherfucking um, field tilt. Pathetic. Um, so in, in uh, America, we call that field position. Um, and can you win the field position battle? Um, this so, is good that you're explaining because I still don't actually know what it is. So basically, like I, I think it's like uh, it's a very like technical way of saying like where is the game being played? That like it's 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 a it's like a highfalutin way of saying like are we playing in your half or in our half? Are we able to tilt the field in a way that the ball is rolling the way we want it to by and large? Um, and I think the thing is with Basuma and I. I I'm torn with this because if you're going to play a three-man midfield, that means that you're leaving two of your ostensibly, what, six best players on the bench at the start every single time. You know, between Sonny, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, and Kane, of those four, you're leaving two on the bench um, to play Hoybier, Bendinger, and Basuma. Um, but it's, it's also very clear to me that um, if Sonny is on the field, Sonny needs the ball to be progressed. And our two-man midfield is not the best way to do it. We've seen that that it's worked with Kane dropping deep. But then Kane's, you know, the ball is, is entering the, the attacking third with Kane at midfield. Um, you know, it's, it's the type of situation where um, it's a change-up that I really like. Uh, Mohamed sort of um, sort of alluded to it that Conte, Conte likes it as a mid-game change-up. Um, you know, if, if we are going to play defensively, I, I can see him starting with it, but in these games that you feel, okay, we, we have a talent advantage. We should be able to control the game, if not control the ball, um, the, where the game is being played doesn't seem to bother Conte that much. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem to, to bother him that, that he sort of forswears possession, um, and, and doesn't want the, the, the field to tilt in a way that necessarily gives us the lion's share of the ball. 
So even though it does allow us to control midfields, even though it does allow us to control the game a little bit better, I don't think Conte cares. I think that he's happy to absorb pressure, counter out, rely on moments of brilliance, you know, between between Kane and Son and and Kulisevsky and I guess Richarlison, um, and go from there. So while I would love a three-man midfield, A, we don't have enough midfielders to really do it game in, game out. Um, but B, I don't think Conte wants to, which is really the point. Fair enough. And uh, what are your thoughts on the three-man midfield types and if it would improve the tilt of the field? <laughs> it definitely it definitely can, for sure. If you have the numerical advantage in the middle, it means that the, the opposition don't really dominate you as much um, when they have the ball, it means there's more men. There's more men to try and chase the ball, win the ball back, and also keep the ball. Because for the most part, when we play in the two in the two man midfield, we're at a numerical disadvantage, which is what kills us um, in some of these matches when we're not playing the best. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think ultimately Conte. It's weird. Like I can't call him a pragmatist, but I can't exactly call him like a free flowing type manager. He's in the middle, um, it's obvious that he wants Spurs to be a side that can that can be more threatening on the counter attack, way more threatening on the counter attack as opposed to being this ball dominant side that plays exclusively in the opposition's half. But I don't also think that that means that he doesn't want to be in the opposition's half at times. And I think when you look at some of our best performances um, last season. Um, we we had more possession. We were in the opposition half more, and I, so I think I think he does want us to mix it up. And I think what is paramount is that we take greater care of the ball than we have done this season. And I think the three in midfield helps us do that more so than the two in midfield. But like Asa said, one, it's not his preference, and two, um, we only have four midfielders. So playing three consistently every game leaves you with only one option to either rotate off the bench or rotate in the next game. And that's not going to do anyone any any favours um, when you look at our, our, our next run of games. However, I would like him to use it here and there. Like He doesn't have to use it every game, but I think he should be selective and choose his moments to use that tactic. Like There should be moments where you can say to yourself, yep, I can recognise the opposition I'm playing. I'm going to go over three-man midfield from the off. Fair enough, man. Um, I mean, I guess I'll throw my two cents in slightly. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily start with a three-man midfield purely because I I think the profile of midfielders we have would make that midfield three a bit flat. Um, I, I don't think we have a kind of forward, incisive, creative enough thinking eight that we can kind of play. I'd say, I'd say our most forward thinking eight is probably Huibio. Yeah. And um, yeah. I don't necessarily think he's got that much quality that he can play as like that third most advanced midfielder. Um, the ideal profile of that player has gone on loan to Napoli and I respect Conte's decision on that. Maybe Kulizewski can play there, but I think that would mean Kane would have to split more as like a channel running wider split striker we need a better right wing back for that um so obviously Kane can drop in yeah and I'd keep it more same the same structure the same system but we just need to be a bit braver from the off in games like we need to get those wider centre-backs a little bit higher up early to engage um Kulizewski can tuck in a bit more I don't know if it's by design or or not, but he seems to be holding like a wider starting position than he did last season. Um, I see Kane. Kane has been dropping in, but I don't think he's been in his best form when it comes to ball retention and his his creativity. Although I do think he had a good improvement against Leicester. Um, so I think we need to persist with that with just a few more smaller tweaks, and then. Um, yeah, we can go on from there. Um, <laughs> I love how you failed to acknowledge Pepe Matasada. I think technically we've got five centre midfielders now. We have, but he we know he's not really going to play Pepe Matasada. No, and I would no. like to, I would like him to play more games. But I think Carabao. Hopefully, we can see some of these young G's get some minutes. Um, just a point on the two in midfield. If he's going to stick with the two in midfield, which I'm actually not too mad at, yeah, play the right balance of two, in because. 
Basuma, in my opinion, is in, for me the most equipped midfielder we have to play in the two-man midfield. I think if you're looking at midfielders in our squad who can play up against a numerical advantage, it's Basuma. It's Basuma. He's got the running power. He's got the tackling. He's got the dribbling. He's got the close control. Like he's for me, he's our best midfielder. And really and truly, when you're playing a two-man midfield, he has proven to dominate more midfields than any of our other midfielders we have right now. That said, and I do agree with that as well, but who would you drop? Uh, I think say it. Say it. Say it. I would, it. I would drop Benton I, oh, wow. I thought you were going to say Hoybier. I would drop Benton because I think what Hoybier is offering us on the ball going forward right now is greater than what Benton is offering us. He's actually had a really I, good season. Even though I think, even though I think Benton all round is a better player, I think Hoybier is a bit more decisive when he's on the ball, when he's playing well. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, but my optimal pairing would have obviously be Benton and Basuma. But I don't know who's going to be the one that's doing Hoybier's job because I don't really see. I, I don't think Benton Benton is as effective as Hoybier in the final third. And uh, that would uh, I agree with as well. Um, as I said earlier, I think Huibia is our most effective final kind of third creative eight. Um, and I, I do respect the kind of communication and leadership skills he brings to that midfield. And to be fair to Huibia, he's had a better season than Bantanker and t- tends to turn up um more in, in in our bigger games and we've got the north london derby coming up as well which obviously makes it a perfect time for sun to come into form yeah. um who would your kind of perfect and ideal midfield be going forward asa um i would really love to have um skip and basuma actually um I really, I really like the manner in which Skip plays, and I think that he frees up so much, um, sort of tactically, with his sort of traditional holding defensive midfielder instincts. Um, and so, I think that if you are going to play that two-man midfield, one of them needs to be sort of in that destroyer mold. And while you know Skippy, you know, we, we've only seen him play what like ten games or something, you know, because he's always hurt. But like when we've seen him, he he has been sort of game for that. And I think that he would allow everybody around him to play, maybe play a little bit higher, maybe play a little bit more freely because they know he's the one sitting back. Whereas I think one of the problems that we have with Benson Kurt and Hoybier is there is this like, are you going forward? Am I going forward? Are, are we both sitting back? Um, cadence to it because neither of them are traditionally that deep lying player. Um, so I think I think Skip provides a lot, and also based on all accounts, he's he's a very verbal, very vocal um, leader type, which which is also something that I really want to have in my in my midfield. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I definitely don't hate that either. Um, bless Skip; he's been unlucky. Um, he played today as well, but we'll get into it. Um, but there's been some other well, weird rumours going around as well. Weird, weirdly timed rumours as well. Um, Conte apparently wanting to go back to Juventus. Um, I think it's been pretty much quashed by a lot of tier one sources today anyway. But did you ever believe there was a, a chance he would even be tempted to go back there? Definitely. There is a chance. There, In my opinion, I think there is a chance that he would go back there. But... My question is why? I remember I I I, pro, I posed this question to um, in the Touchline FC chat because maybe I was a bit too strong in my criticism of Juve, but they're a sinking ship right now. And it's not to say that Spurs are a bigger club than Juve. I think Juve, by all accounts, are a bigger club than Spurs and have won way more than Tottenham have in the last couple of years, as poor as they are right now. And they still have some good players. But look at the environment right now. Yeah, they've sold all their, they sold pretty much all of their best young players. They've burdened the team with a lot more older players. Um, they still have some top talent, Paul Pogba, Chiesa, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But two of their two of their best three, four players are injured right now for the foreseeable. 
They can't spend any money because they're financially crippled. They can't even afford to... I'm seeing rumours that they can't even afford to sack Allegri. Yeah, That's got to be the only reason he's still with a job. So, so like, I'm just looking at that. And, and as a project, I'm looking at Conte's standing in football now in comparison to where it was at when he first took over the Juve job. And as much as you have a lot of familiar, familiar, familiarity with Juve, and we all know Italians love their country, he's always looking to fly back to Italy after every game. But why would you want to put yourself in that situation where you know you're not really going to have you're not really going to have as much authority and funding as you used to have to actually shape the squad the way you want it. And I, I'm not I'm not saying it to say that Spurs are the bee's knees. I accept that Conte could easily leave Spurs just by nature who he is. He could easily turn around and say at the end of the season, I'm gone. And I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. But everything I've heard so far over the last couple of months from Conte, from the club, the players that we signed, yeah, they all indicate that he's more likely to stay at Spurs for another year than leave. So until I see this verified by like a an actual tier one source and Conte says, I'm leaving at the end of the season, I'm not buying it. It's for, it's for Casey for me. Yeah, I mean, Juve are, are in shambles right now. Um, I, I happen to watch a lot of them because they, they have uh, a young American talent who Tobes refused to mention. Refused to mention medi- because the he's most a hater. Mediocre, the most mediocre of players they got. Just just, just a hater. <laughs> um, because, you know, Does he's he just... Does he start, Does he start? Yes, he starts game in, game out. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah Number eight. Number eight. That? Look, he starts thinking. It is not my business to debate about whether or not Paul Pogba would start. I don't deal in hypotheticals. I deal in facts. I deal in facts. Facts is is that he's starting every game. But um, they are they're a train wreck, and I don't know. And look, like I get it. It's your. It's it's when when it's your. You know, arguably one of you know the biggest or one of the biggest. Certainly one of the three biggest clubs in your home nation. You know, he's been there. He's comfortable there. It, you you lend credence to those rumors, but now is not the time to go to Juventus. Um, it will just hurt your reputation. That's all it will do. Because as much as I love my boy Weston McKinney, if Weston McKinney is starting for you, you know, game in game out, you're gonna have a bad time um, in in Syria. Like he, th- that's just where we're at. Um, so uh, there's there's no there's no real reason for him to leave at this point. Right. Like, I mean, Spurs are playing relatively well in the thing that he cares about because he has a history of not really given too much of a, of a care about Europe. But, you know, he is doing well where he wants to do well. He's got his guys um, more or less throughout the squad um, and he's beloved. And, you know, while it, it, he hasn't gotten everything that he's wanted, um, he has gotten most of what he's wanted over the summer. Right, like like last January was a big deal that more players were sent out than brought in. That didn't happen this time. They didn't send out Hill with no plan to replace him, um, which to me says that Conte is being listened to. So you know, if you're listened to on on the field and you're listened to in the in the in the in the executive offices, um, and you're playing well, there's no real impetus, especially at this point, because um, Juventus are not going to get better in the next three months. Um, there's no reason to do it right now. So. Like like Tope said, like until we 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 get an Alistair Gold telling us that it's happening, I'm I'm uninterested in in the rumors. Yeah, it's fair. Like I think a lot of people were kind of alluding to his fallout with the like ex, I think president or something like that. Where it's like, you know, they they could kiss and make up like his business at the end of the day. But like you alluded to, Acel, we're creating something around Conte where, like you say, he's been listened to and we're building a structure around him which is quite similar to what Pep Guardiola has at City where he's getting the guys in the backroom staff that he wants. Obviously, Paratici is already there. He's got a few countrymen. He's, he's obviously got his uh, coaching staff with him. He's got a, he got his new fitness coach this summer, I believe. Got the set-piece coach. New scouting overhaul. As he's alluded to, look, I know we've spent money in the past, and he used the word we. Um, we spent money in the past, but we uh, we need to actually scout. Um, and uh, everything else, it seems like we're just backing him to the hilt. So why would he leave that again for a club which 
as you both alluded to, is pretty much in the mud. And especially after we've bought like three of their best players recently, Romero, Bentenko and Kulisevsky. And then he'd go to Juventus. He definitely wouldn't be able to get them back off us. I mean, yes, he'll have Weston McKennie, who scored a decent goal against PSG. But other than that, I, I haven't really seen Juventus play this season. Uh, other than they drew um, some weird game where they had some game, like goal disallowed in the last minute to some sort of Tina or something like that. Then they lost to Monza. Had the worst start in their Champions that like, really bad start in their Champions League campaign. Yes, I choose, not to, I choose not to watch them. I think the only time I've watched a full Juventus game this season was against PSG. I choose not to watch them because it was torture last season. Second part of the campaign, it was so boring to watch their games. Like they it's been torture watching them for time. Oh, they're, they're terrible. And, it's, like, and it's not, it doesn't even make sense as well because they actually have some really good players. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, like, they're terrible. They're not great on the counter. They don't really play good possession football. They don't really cut teams open. They don't create a multitude of chances. And they're not really that solid defensively. They're just, they're just a weird side right now. A weird side. But they've got mm. the name. That's why. They've got the allure. They've got the name and they're, they're in Italy. So, of course, people put two and two together and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe you could see him there. Yeah, fair enough. You could see him there. But I mean, you, you, may, you may have gotten humiliated in their last two Champions League games. Um, you know, in Italy, they're playing really poorly. I don't, they, they haven't won a game in a month or something. Like they, they did, they went oh for September uh, in, in terms of actually winning games. Um, you know, Benfica bodied them. PSG obviously, you know, rolled over them. I, I just, I just don't see what the appeal is right now. Um, you know, outside of the ability to work with Weston McKinney, which I get. Like, yeah. Look, I get that you want no, to just Learning to Sampdoria, okay. man. Location and lo- location and name. That's literally it. Literally it. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, and, the UV I mean, Spurs. That's it. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you said, like they do have some players. I mean, Pogba, Vlahovic, Kenny, Bremer. Um, like they, they they've got the backbone of a of a team that should be coherent. Facts. They're just not. Allegri is not a good coach. So that's where you're at. But enough about about uh, enough about Juventus. They they like Arsenal are not a relevant side for my Champions League purposes. Yeah, fuck Juve. Although about <laughs> Champions League, Sammy's asking Juve not getting out of that group. But are we still confident of getting out of ours? Uh, yes. yes, and yes. The, the answer to the most both of those questions are yes. Um, but Juve is lucky because they they have uh, they are they are definitely going to. Um, make it to Europa because the fourth team in that group, as much as I love them dearly, are, are not good. <laughs> it's not going to happen for them. But Juve is going to go to Europa and probably by then have a new coach, go through January and then win Europa because that's how these things work. Nothing can be nice. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so moving on to kind of close this show out, obviously um, a few of our players played today. We had... Um, a few players play for the England under twenty ones. Um, don't know if anyone else saw the game, but I watched um, most of the second half and the end of the first. Um, see, Sessegnon, Spence, and Skip started for England under twenty ones. Adegu came on for Italy at halftime. Um, did anyone else watch the game? Let's just skim over it quick. I had it on. I had it on in the background. Um, I missed a lot of the first half, but I heard Jed Spence looked really good in the first half and I kept hearing the commentator say sing Skip and Gallagher's praises for the work that they were doing in the middle of the park to sort of close down Italy's midfielders win the ball back recycle and get England going um and I kept I didn't really see much of Spence in the second half um but I already know that Jet Spence looks a good player but you know who really think we got a good one with Yudoji. I think he's class, man. I think that kid is class. Like he just looks threatening whenever he gets the ball. He wants to hurt the opposition. He wants to drive with the ball. He wants to take risks with the ball. And he's got good tech as well, man. He he's class, man. Mm. Absolutely class. We might have a good one there, man. Yeah, he looks very technically sound and he's very direct as well. It'd be interesting to see if he does those infield runs as much as he does 
for Udinese in Italy under 21 at Spurs. Um, Skip had an interesting game for me. Um, he was very good in his pressures, won the ball a fair few times, very good at closing down, but some of his playing out from the back and um, just general ball retention was shaky. It was a good game for him to get some rust off, but he gave it away a fair few times in in uh, in England's defensive third. Um, could and should have been punished, to be fair, but he got away with it and so England got the win. Um, it's interesting Spence stood out when we've got our starting wing back on the opposite flank. Um, Sessegnon had an okay game, but Spence stood out, which was interesting because you can kind of compare the two See, Conte would have seen him in training as well. Now they've seen him both on the same pitch in a game for England on the 21s. And yeah, Spence, I didn't see enough of him being tested for being pressured in his own half. But whenever he got the ball, he was really, really positive, really positive. And if it wasn't for Gallagher missing an open goal, then he would have pretty much forced a play pretty much off his own back. Um, it's encouraging, man. Um Really think he has to start one or at least a couple games in this run between October and November. Um, yeah, generally really positive on Spence. Um, yeah, man. I'm just waiting for, like you said, I'm just waiting for him to to get a game now and, and show what he's got, man. Listen, I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not like a Jed Spence stand. I didn't really watch him in the championship, but he looks like he's got the tools to be a good player for Spurs and. We just need Conte to just throw this guy in and, and see what he can do. And it looks like, hopefully, hopefully he may get a run out um, in that sort of October period. And if not, then he'll probably play in the League Cup. But either way, even though it's not to our liking, he will eventually get an opportunity under Conte. And we just got to hope that he does what he what he's rumoured and can do and then the rest will be history, man. I, I, I don't, I don't really think it's going to take a lot for Jed Spence to oust Emerson from this team. I really don't. I, I think that that the thing is with Spence, um, and and Sessignon is sort of the the inverse of this. Is that I think Spence, given his history, given where we've seen him be successful, and given his lack of run in the team, I think that he is the type of person who can dominate uh, levels that are at him or below, but he might struggle against teams that are going to put him under pressure. And I think that Conte, given Conte's sort of history and general demeanor, doesn't want to take that risk. Um, and granted, doing that with Emerson Royale and Davidson Sanchez back there is like sort of like, a, well, why them and not him? But, you know, I, I think that Spence is probably someone who just doesn't have the trust of Conte yet. And the only way that he's going to get that trust is, is, in training or, or, or playing, you know, a situation where he has to come in and has to play some, some significant minutes. Whereas Sessegnon, I don't think that he can raise his level. I think that he just is who he is. And that's like a crap, man. I mean, I, I disagree. I've, I've, I've said that I think that he's like a useful ish defensive, defensive wingback. But like, I think like Sessegnon just like is who he is. And, and against, you know, Italy 21s, he's going to look the same as he does against Liverpool. Like it just like he just plays the same regardless of of who's in front of him. Um, so while I am I am a, an apologist for him, like it, the apology uh, is is that he is about as good as the eighth best. Like he's at the like eighth best team in the Premier League eternally, and whoever he plays against, that's more or less how he's going to play. And so while you throw him out there against Liverpool or City, and you're like, wow, he like really stood up against, you know really, really good attackers, you put him out there against, uh, you know, Italy's U21s, and you're like, why does he suck so bad? And and I think it's sort of the same thing. He just can't raise his level. No, it's, yeah, it's a weird one to defend him off, off the back of the Leicester game as well, where I thought he was really, really tentative, um, for lack of a better word. Um, he was poor, but yeah, he was really tentative. Let's just call a spade a spade. He was crap. Defensively, he was crap. And going forward, he did not really offer us anything. And uh, listen, this is last chance salon, saloon for, for Cess this season, in my eyes. 
I'm already dusted with him, but Conte seems to like him. If you can't cut it at this at this team this season, you ain't gonna be a starter next year because destiny is gonna come in and he's gonna take your spot clean. Would would you say that that is his destiny? Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom! It might have to be. That was oh, the point I was making man. after Tobe said Loftus Cheek was a better wing back than Sessignon. But he's, no, on, he's now. not, man. Come he's on. actually not. You know he's Maybe not. not well. Be serious. Let's be serious. Listen, Sessignon is not good. How many times do I have to say this? He's not good. He's not good. <laughs> I've, I've tried. I've tried to, to, to see. Oh, he's working with Conte. Oh, he's young. Oh, he's this. He's that. He's just crap. Until Tessignon gives me a reason to not call him crap, I'm going to keep calling him crap. Until you get- give me like a whole season where you actually play at a steady, a steadily acceptable level. And I'm not even talking assist week. I'm saying just give me like reasonable performances, decent going forward, decent at the back, like nothing too heavy. But I can't even get that from Tessignon. Nah, man. I mean, I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm riding for a really long time on that Liverpool game where he, he played. I thought he played really well, and everything since did. then has been sort of like um, mediocre. But like, I just like keep going. Like, if we could just get that for 38 games or 50 games or however many games we, we're, you know, we're gonna have throughout the course of a year, like that'd be great. Um, you know, to to for I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say like he's uh you know played well. <laughs> he's it's fine. The problem is, is that we have ambitions beyond fine. I think is like really the point. Like he's fine, but fine isn't good enough. Yeah. It's just also we don't have many other fullback options that aren't just fine. I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> it's okay. He's got this season, and then um, we can refer back to Ace's lovely pun. Um, but yeah, just as a closing note, I was just gonna say like. Uh, on Spence again, like I just remembered, so I saw a little clip of him earlier. Just how, like, he looked confident in the game as well. To be fair, like he didn't look like he hadn't played a game for a few weeks or hadn't started a game. Um, and it was this like FIFA ratings question thing, and he was asked. It was Spence asked directly, like, "Oh, who's the fastest player at Spurs?" And he just kind of sat back, like frowned a bit, and was just like. Well, me yeah, yeah. and he was actually correct um yeah he's one of those players um who's very confident and it doesn't border and it doesn't cross the line of arrogance for me um so i'm interested to see him kind of project that on the pitch for us soon come though soon come uh but as for tonight's show um so thank you goldberg thank you the worm for, for joining me tonight. Thank you to Zaspers TV and Mohammed in particular in the in the comments. A shout out to you. But as for um this week where we'll be done. We'll be back with more streams in the week and uh the audio released every Saturday morning. But on behalf of the NSO. All right. Peace. Peace. Adios.
Network.